Welcome to Making Lemonade. I'm Wit. And I'm Kels. And we started this podcast to bring connection and support to this community. We know that every single person goes through tough situations in life. And we wanted to help share stories of those situations to help others not feel so alone. We are not therapists or doctors. Our opinions are our own. The opinions expressed by the guests on each episode is their own and doesn't necessarily share our same views. You can find information and resources shared by each guest in the episode notes or on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Well, today our guest is Anne, and we are so excited to talk to us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where your story begins? Okay. So I um, kind of where the story begins is just our marriage. I mean, leading up to marriage, I, you know, I grew up in Cache Valley my whole life and met Austin, my husband, when we, a year out of high school, and we were married pretty quick and um, we were married at 19 and 20. And uh, we, you know, when we first got married, we knew pretty quick we wanted to start a family really fast. And everyone thought we were crazy. But um, that was just both of our goals was kids. We just love kids. And so we actually ended up getting pregnant like four months after we got married. And um, we ended up miscarrying. And so that's kind of where everything started. And um infertility started and we had to go down that road and then that led to us looking into adoption and then that led into looking into foster care and it all kind of started from um, the heartbreak of that miscarriage. So that's kind of where that starts. I don't know exactly where. I feel like tell us about your journey with like your miscarriage and going into infertility and how long that took and then when you made the decision to do mm -hmm. foster and stuff. So we were only a couple months along when we miscarried and that took, I mean, you know, the emotions of that takes a toll on a marriage quite a bit. So we decided, you know, let's take a step back. Let's focus on us for a while and just kind of, you know, when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen. And um, I would say two years after that, um, we were ready to start trying again and it just wasn't happening. And um, kind of backstory on that. Um, growing up, I had a lot of different health problems, and we started to realize those connected to the infertility. And so, you know, we were working with my doctor and just trying to stay positive, and it just came to the realization that in order for me to be healthy, it just wasn't realistic for me to carry a pregnancy, unfortunately. So at that point, we decided, you know, let's look at different avenues because we're not going to give up on having kids. And How did that feel like having them give that news to you? It was, I mean, initially it was, I mean, you, I think as a woman, you kind of have this like, oh, it's on me. Um, so I think that was the biggest thing I had to navigate was like not blaming myself because, you know, it didn't have anything to do with my husband. It had to do with my health. So I think there was a period there where I had to be okay with, I I can't do that, but there's a reason. And um, in the moment, it's hard to 
it's hard to believe that. It's hard to wrap your mind around that. Um, so I, I would say there is a good six months after the initial, like, this isn't going to happen for us, that I had to really wrap my mind around being okay with that. And my husband was incredible and supportive and he's never um, looked at it that way. He's looked at it as like, okay, well, what's next? You know, like he's a very optimist in that way. Um, so that helped pull me through that a lot. But even to this day, I mean, I didn't, we have two boys. <laughs> I've missed that part at the beginning, but we have two boys, a three-year-old and a four-month-old. And even now, you know, sometimes there's just those days where I'm like, man, like, you know, we adopted both of them and there's still days where I'm like, why can't I do it that way? And why can't it be simple? You know what I mean? But when I we step back and look at everything that's happened, I think that's just where um, going back to that woman six months into that the realization, I wish I could be like, it's okay. Like all so much happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, after that, it was probably six months that, I took to kind of us look into options and kind of be okay with that diagnosis, if you will. Um, and in our minds, we're like, well, adoption, like that's what's next. Um, that's that's the obvious next route. And that was daunting too, because I don't know if you guys know, but adoption is not easy and it's expensive and it's intimidating. Um, and coming out of that mental state of, man, we wouldn't be having to go through this if we could just, you know, anyways. So that one, it, I mean, we had kind of decided, well, this is our only shot. And so we moved forward with it and we told our families we were going to adopt and we were looking into agencies if we want to do agency or private adoption. And I mean, I would say we were a few months into that process we were talking to my brother, my older brother, one night and just kind of there asking how the process was going. And we were kind of like, well, it's intimidating, but we're just going forward with faith. You know, we're just hoping this all comes together. He's like, have you guys thought about foster care? And we were like, oh, no, no way. <laughs> like, no, we know what comes with foster care. We've heard stories and just how heartbreaking it can be and how hard it can be and we are just like, no, that's not for us. Like, we're just keeping it simple. And after we left that conversation, it just didn't leave our minds. Like, it was like that was just planted in our minds. And it just like, it just bugged us over and over and over again. And me and my husband were like, well, let's just see what's out, like what it is and like look into it. And within like, like it just like snowballed. I would say within a week or two, we were signed up for classes and getting ready to become certified foster parents. And so we put adoption on the side and I'll be honest, when we went into foster care, we went into it with the purpose of wanting to adopt. And we go through, you know, you go through these classes and this training, and then they have someone come out and home study your home and see if you're a good parent, you know, those kind of things. So we go through that whole process. And that alone is, uh, it's my husband would say that he like pulled me through that one. Cause I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like there are so many times where you learn about these stories and you learn about these situations and it, you just don't feel adequate, you know, to put yourself into that. 
And so he pulled me through and I, I thank him every day for that because I don't think I would have gone through it. Um, so we got certified. I, it was the end of 2020. So it was like during all the COVID stuff, we like did it all online, got certified. And December, January, we had our certification. And then end of February, we got our first call. So kind of how, I don't know if you want me to explain kind of how yeah. foster, how it all works. So once you're certified, the state looks at you as an open home to call you and tell you about situations. And so you can really kind of narrow down what you're comfortable with um, regarding age or things that they've been exposed to or whatever. You just kind of say, okay, this is what our home is open to. And starting out, you feel so, I mean, we were also... 22, 23. So we felt so little, you know, so we were like, well, let's start with littles. We'll do zero to three or four. And, you know, we're open to anything, but we're just going to do one kid, not siblings, and just kind of see how this goes. And so you get these calls and it's like, it could be anytime they call you and they're like, here's a situation. Can they come to your home? And you have to like decide within like 30 minutes. So it's like, the craziest, your whole life turns upside down for me. You're like, okay, is this a good fit? What do you think? And um, we got our first call and it was just like, I always wondered if we would know like if it would fit or if we'd say yes to something and it would be like, oh, this is a good fit or this, you know, whatever. But we got that call and it was like instantly we knew. Like we we got a call about a, newborn baby boy and he was in the NICU and instantly we were like yes like it was just a draw that I can't explain and so he was in the NICU and we got to go see him the next day and um, the NICU experience was just like it was almost like a bubble because you're not doing the visits with bio parents yet you're not doing the doctor's appointments and all the things that you do as a foster parent, it's kind of put to side. So like the two week NICU stay with this first baby boy was just like heaven, especially as first time parents. Um, but then we get home and we have to start getting into the real world of being foster parents. And that was really eye opening to us of like, we have to remember that there's another person involved in this and you have to learn how to be sensitive and how to be understanding and how to be a parent, but also it's like a kind of a co-parent kind of relationship. And as first-time parents, it's, that was really hard to figure out like ooh, the boundaries and, you know, those kind of things. Um, and so leading up to that first visit with his birth mother, um, we were like, I remember being sick to my stomach, so nervous because <laughs> I was like, you go through these trainings of what you know, these parents go through and what these kiddos are exposed to. And, and it's just so much bigger and so daunting that you're like, I don't want to say something that's offensive. I don't, you know, this is her baby. And like, I can't imagine the emotion she's going through and all the things just hit you. And so I remember I was like, you have the choice if you want to meet the bio parents or not. I was like, I don't think I can. Like, I am too scared. I just think maybe we should keep some distance and just let her have time with her son. 
and we'll just be here to pick him up. You know what I mean? And so that's where I was the day before. And then that night before I was like thinking about it and it just hit me so strong. Like you need to meet her and you need to support her and you need to be there for her. And I was so, I will never forget that was kind of like a turning point in our story and like a big point in our story that kind of geared our foster care experience was just, wow, we need to be there for these birth parents. Like this is, you know, this isn't about us kind of thing. And um, so that next day we go to the first visit and, you know, all the nerves and he's like, this tiny baby in his car seat and we're going to meet his mom. And, and when I met her, it was just this overwhelming, like I just loved her. Like I didn't know her. I didn't know anything about her, but I just loved her. And it was like that fear just left. And it wasn't about, I think it's really easy. And we did this. We went into foster care with, we want to adopt. And at that moment I was like, well, this is so much bigger than us adopting. Like, seeing this family that is going through this hardship and has been broken in a sense, being able to help them heal is like the craziest thing. And so that was a turning point for us of, wow, like we want to be support to these families and help these families and these kids. And so um, we just fell in love with his mom and we all hit it off pretty quick. And and that kind of started the first case that we were involved in. And um, you, I mean, I think the f- main thing everyone says when I talk about foster care is I could never do that. I would get too attached because there's always that reality that they could go back with their family or with their parents. And that's a very real thing. But we've learned that these kids benefit so much with you attaching regardless on the outcome. And so we loved that baby boy. Like we fully attached, like day one, the fa- our family's attached. And um, it just, it was, it was also our first baby, like our first boy, our first kid. And so there were so many emotions with that too. Um, so that case started in March and we had him, it was kind of, an emotional ride because at about the six month mark, it was looking like it would be an adoption situation. And so we had geared our minds from reunification with mom to, oh, it's looking like this will be adoption. And so we let that wall down completely and we're kind of geared towards that. And that's a whole emotional thing too. Um, And then at the nine month in court, it was told to us that we'd be working reunification within the next month. And so it was a lot of things to process because you have this one side of you that wants to be selfish and loves this baby so much. And then the other side of you that loves his mom so much and wants her to have her baby boy. And so the fight of those two emotions, I can't even explain it. It's just crazy. So that last month um, of him being with us was a lot of, you know, them doing overnights and doing longer visits and just the realization hitting of like, oh my goodness, he's going home. And something I don't think people know as a foster parent, like the love, like I consider him my first child, even though 
he didn't come for me and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it, it started out with another parent involved. Um, that law was still very much there. So him reunificating with his mom, even though it was beautiful, it was also heartbreaking. And that was a point that we were like, can we do this? You know, cause we, I remember, and it was during COVID. So literally we take him to her and she was in a parent facility at that time where they could really bond and she could learn parenting skills. And it was a, an incredible thing. Um, but we literally had to just drop him off at the doorstep and leave. And it was like this baby that we had attached to and loved for 10 months. And, you know, he was a part of all the holidays and all the just first parent moments was with him. And, uh, so dropping him off was really one of the hardest things that we've done in our whole journey of parenting. (laughs) Um, and I think we would have quit if it wasn't for our other little boy. Um, in this process, we were crazy. We took in another little boy and we had only had, um, so our first boy is Messiah. That's the one that was reunified. And we'd only had him for a month. So we had like a two month old baby and we took in a one year old boy. And when Messiah went home, that one year old boy was like our, he healed so many things. And, um, at that point in his case, we kind of knew that it was going to be an adoption situation. And, um, so we, I mean, he kind of, he was really the joy that pulled us through that heartbreak and, um, that old boy's crew. And so he actually ended up, we ended up adopting him the following June. And, um, so it's crazy because we started this with Messiah thought that that was going to be adoption switched. He was reunified. We had crew thought that was going to be reunification switched. And now he's our spunky three-year-old incredible little boy who stayed. Um, so it was like this, like it was an emotional roller coaster for a good year with those two boys. Cause I mean, they had attached, we'd attached to them as our little family. And then Messiah left And that was a heartbreak that, you know, I can't put into words. And crew was that light that pulled us through. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of the beginning of our foster experience. But, yeah. What happens, like, when they get unified? Do you Uh get to, like, be in contact with them still? Or how does that work? Yeah, so that is a huge part of why Messiah is so special and his mom is that his mom, because it's up to the bio parents. So they really get to decide after unification what that looks like with the foster family. Some decide like, you know, we're kind of starting our life. We're going to step out of this foster care. There could be a lot of trauma for them and it can be hard. And some really cling to their foster parents and the parents that helped with their kiddos. And so kind of depends on the parent. Um, we've had both, but, um, Messiah's mom, I, I can't like, I can't talk about her without getting emotional, but, um, she was selfless enough to 
know that he needed that support and that more love is better than, you know, anything. And so after he was reunified, um, they were in this program and so there was no contact for a while. And that was like the hardest. I mean, you go from every day with this little little boy to no contact for almost five, six months, I want to say. Um, and then she reached out to us like, I got a call randomly and she's like, I got my call privileges and I want you to come see him. Like mm-hmm. he's crawling now. And she just like told me all these things about him. And, and so we went to that first visit um, and at that visit, she was, you know, she broke down to us and she was like, I'm here and I'm fighting for my son, but you took care of my son while I fought for this. And, uh, that's when she asked us to be his godparents. And it was the most incredible thing to see the beauty of reunification and then see that mom know what was best and like make that decision for her son. And to this day, we have, I mean, an incredible relationship. We took family pictures with them like a couple weeks ago and she is, um, I mean, their story of just what she fought through to get him back. And she's a single mom and she just fights every day for him and just their relationship is beautiful. And she, I called her before this podcast and I'm like, I'm going to go talk about you. Like, is that okay? Like I texted her and she was like, of course. Like, she's like, I love our story too much not to share it. And it's just, that story is what I tell people when they ask about foster care. Cause I'm like, yeah, there's hard, but look at this, like this beautiful out of all the crazy was worth it. And so yeah, they are their family, their forever family, and it's it's pretty amazing. But yeah, I love that so much because mm-hmm. I think there can be so many feelings there. So I'm so grateful mm-hmm. she, I don't know, recognized your role in her life yeah. and that you were there to help and not judge her. Yeah, you know, yeah, oh, so beautiful. Yeah, she calls us his two mamas. Yeah, <laughs> and then him and our three O crew, they're I mean, they pretty much grew up together. Yeah. So they still have that really strong bond, which is really cool. That's so cute. So yeah, that was like kind of what took off that foster care journey. And we adopted crew June of 2022. Yes, 2022. And we fostered from, you know, when we got certified end of 2020 to the beginning of 2023. And in that time, we've had 13 kiddos come in and out of our home, and all of them have like touched our heart in a very unique way. Like each of them have their very unique stories, and we have contact with a few of them. But Misty and Messiah, they would—they're—they're the ones that have really become family and stuck around. And so that's kind of our foster care part of our story. Thirteen kids, thirteen, from ages newborn to seventeen. Wow. how many years have you been doing in the three? Care? Well, two and a half, two and a half years. Yeah. yeah. That many children. Yeah. Wow. And crew and Messiah were definitely our longest. Like Messiah was with us 10 months before he reunified. And then crew we adopted after 14 months of him being in care. And then all of our other kiddos, it was about anywhere from like an emergency placement of a couple weeks to a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
they all varied, but they like we had a little boy for 24 hours and he's still one of our like like we love him. So it's just mm-hmm. crazy how fast you can love these kids and attach. Well, and you said like you guys started out z- ages zero to four, three mm-hmm. or four, right? Yeah. But then you just said yep. 17. Yeah. So when did that flip for you guys? Yeah. So the more we became aware of the need mm-hmm. and saw the community of foster care and, you know, educated ourselves further on trauma and, um, what these parents face as far as addictions and what they need as far as support, it just kind of opened our minds to, okay, it might be uncomfortable for us. Like this is out of our comfort zone, but like think about what these kids are going through and they just need a house. They just need a home and they just need a family to support them for whatever that time frame is. So I would say after Messiah was reunified, we opened up to like five or six And then, and another reality of foster care is you'll set your age limit and they'll call you and they'll be like, hey, how are you feeling today? Like, (laughs) how do you feel about a sibling set? That's like, there's a three-year-old, but there's also a 14-year-old. Do you know what I mean? And so you kind of realize you have to be kind of flexible. And so I would say probably a year into our journey, we were like, no, we want to help where help's needed. And every single placement, no matter the time frame, we always felt like came for a reason and impacted us in a very unique way. And so we're like, we're just going to let what's supposed to come, come, and we're going to help how we can. And so that's kind of where that mindset changed. But um, Okay, so take us back to like, you drop Messiah off, mm-hmm. you go home with crew, yeah, and tell us like, kind of where your story keeps going from there. Yeah. So with crew... I mean, between the time of reunification for Messiah and Misty, um, I think we took a month after that to just grieve because there is grieving in that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I didn't feel like I could talk about because Messiah was still there and he was happy and he's with his mom, but I felt like I had lost a child in a sense. And so I had to take that time. And so we took a month or so And then um, we were actually still closed and they called us and they were like, we have a newborn baby girl. And we were like, I mean, how do we, you know, how do you say no? And so that just started it back up. So we had probably three or four placements come in and out in between the time of Messiah reunifying and adopting crew. And so we adopted crew and that was incredible like little backstory on crew because I feel like I can't tell her story without telling like him because he's just our little like I there's too many words to describe him but he came to us as a temporary placement so when they called us about crew they were like we just need somewhere for a couple weeks while family steps in to take him and it was our heart one of our hardest placements actually he came with a lot of trauma and a lot of fear. And he, I mean, when he came to us, he would only sleep in his car seat. He was terrified of cribs. He cried constantly. Like it was from going from a newborn baby that doesn't know any different to a one-year-old that's experienced trauma. It was very eye-opening to us. And so that first week or two, we were like, okay, maybe it's a good thing. This is temporary because I don't know if we can do this. 
And then they called and they were like, family backed out. Would you be willing to keep him for a while? And it, if it wasn't for the feeling and the prompting, I don't, I don't know how we would have gotten through that because it was a hard period. I mean, you ask our family members, the crew that came to us and the crew that you see now is like a completely different kiddo. And um, so watching him grow over those 14 months was the most incredible thing because he started out just scared, drawn in, nervous around people, not no confidence. And he couldn't, you know, couldn't barely could crawl, couldn't walk. And then you see him now and he's just a spitfire that's just like running around teasing everybody and just like the craziest, most fun kid, most loving kid. And so that adoption day was so special to see just how far he'd come and the joy and then us finally being able to solidify that we're a family and that he was staying was incredible. So we had his adoption day and then... um. We were still, you know, that's when we were having contact with Mazaya and Misty and um, a few months, the December after we adopted crew, we we're like, you know what? We kind of want to think about putting foster care on hold because at this point we had realized foster care is so much more than adoption. Like foster care, you put your heart out there and you help these children and you help these families. And we loved every minute of doing that, but we were like, we really want to grow our family. And after doing foster care for so long, you get to a point where you're like, I'm ready for one to stay and not to have to go through the emotional roller coaster. So that December after we adopted crew, we decided, you know, maybe kind of slow this down and let's try adoption. I mean, we had talked about that at the beginning. Let's see where that road goes. And we were definitely, um, I mean, we were pulled that direction and we had had incredible experiences in foster care, but we were ready to kind of grow our family. And so we had, we told family and friends December of 2022 that we were going to adopt. And I think we closed our license permanently in February or March of this year. And so we decided to go private adoption route, which basically means you just put yourself out there through family, friends, social media, and you just hope that you can make a connection with a birth mom. Um, And so there's a lot of emotions that go into that of just like waiting and hoping, and you have to really put yourself out there. And that's also hard to do. And so we're just kind of, um, I mean, we're enjoying crew. That was another huge part of that time period is like, there were no kids coming in and out. So we just got to have this time with crew, which was, I mean, I look back and I was like, that was so needed and it was so incredible. And um, so we're kind of doing this waiting game. We had looked into agencies because we're impatient people and we were like, well, maybe we should look into this. And it just, it just felt like there was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And kind of those feelings I talked about at the beginning started coming back for me of, man, why does it have to be so dang hard to grow our family? Um, I mean, we took off this time and we attached to all these kids and they left. And, you know, Messiah, he left and we can't, it's just so hard and it's so hard to grow our family. And why do these roadblocks keep coming up? And 
I had to keep reminding myself and stepping back to just be like, okay, you have crew and that's incredible. Like enjoy him, love him. Like when this is supposed to happen, it will happen. And that's the hardest thing to remind yourself of like, okay, there's a bigger picture and to just trust that. And um, so I would say, let's see, December is when we started. Um, April, May is kind of when we were like, those roadblocks were just kind of getting a lot. And something about adoption is it really takes like those roadblocks, it takes an emotional toll on you and on your marriage in a sense, because it's something you want so bad and it's just not happening. And so we kind of reached a moment, especially me, where I was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Maybe we should just chill, enjoy crew, and just be happy with that, you know? And we just kept having this feeling like, no, we got to keep going. Something's going to come of this. And so um, in June, we... Um, we kind of, I mean, we decided, okay, we're going to give this till December. Like we're going to give it the year, the year mark. And if nothing's happened, we'll take a break. And I had had like the biggest breakdown about it one night. It just like emotional, like I can't do this. This is too much. What are we doing? And a part of that emotion that, um, I had talked about a ton was that I I wanted that newborn baby that stayed. And I felt like that was selfish of me, but that's where I was and and I had had that newborn baby boy and attached and loved and that motherly instincts kicked in and and then that was taken away. I wanted that and I wanted it to stay. And so I had had a whole meltdown about it to Austin one night. And he was like, we just got to stay strong. We just got to keep going. And the next morning, um, I woke up to a message on my Facebook and it was a birth mom. And she was reaching out and she, you know, she was like, Hey, I heard that you guys were looking to adopt. Can I call you? I'd love to talk about this. And so I called her like right away <laughs> and um, she introduced herself and she was like, um, I'm best friends with Misty. And she told me about your family and how incredible you were with her little boy. And we are looking for adoptive parents for our little one. And I just know that you guys are the ones that need to be this little one's parents and it just was like this like hitting moment of oh my gosh it all makes sense like this whole journey we've been on and the heartbreak of Messiah going home and the feeling of we need to keep this relationship with Misty when really we didn't need to but we just knew that she was special and we knew that we needed to keep that led to us fighting our birth parents. And so I was like trying to, you know, not freak out and cry. <laughs> and she was like, you know, we just are not in a place to um, provide for this baby right now. And 
we, um, she's like, I'd been going back and forth throughout the pregnancy, but when, um, he was born, I just, you guys came straight to my mind and I, I knew you were his parents. And I was like, first of all, I was wrapping my mind around it. Cause she's like, you know, being born. So like, he's here. So she was like, yeah, he's here. I had him last night. And I was like, oh my gosh. So we go from, this is never going to happen to birth mom calling us saying, Hey, baby's here and he's yours. Like you're his parents. And it was the most emotional, incredible. Like, I think I felt every emotion in 24 hours. Cause it was, you know, I called Austin, my husband. And after I talked to our birth mom and I was like, so we have a baby. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, like he's here right now. Like we got to go see him. And so it just like took off and we, um, went to Murray where he was at in the NICU and, um, we got to meet our birth parents and they're incredible. And we got to meet them first. We took them dinner and then his birth mom was just so special because she, she's like, I, you know, I've saved the things for you. I mean, you guys, I want you guys to choose his name. We got to do skin to skin with him. And it was just all those first experiences with your baby that you yearn for and you hope for. And she let us have those experiences with him. And so we got to go down and meet him and um, name him. And that's how Weston joined our family. And um, we have an open adoption with them. So we get, I, I have pretty regular contact with his birth mom and with other family members, which is so cool to have a positive, another positive family connection to his birth family, just like how we have with Maz and Misty. And so, yeah, that's, it's just been, I mean, thinking about where we started and if we wouldn't have said yes to meeting that, that to Maziah's mom, we wouldn't have the family we have, you know, or if we wouldn't have said yes to foster care. So it's just, seeing how that story unfolded is, I mean, I going through all those hard moments was a hundred percent worth it. <laughs> well, and then you can't see it like as you're going through it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, cause all that heartbreak, that's all I could think about the whole time you're talking yeah. is all that heartbreak yeah. you were going through mm. and the breakdowns you had to have and the feelings yeah. you had to have, like in the high highs and the low oh, lows, yeah. like for sure. And the way you told your story was incredible. Like, you took us on that journey. Like <laughs> it's a know, journey. <laughs> yeah. And you just really told your story really well. And I feel well, like you. I could feel some of the emotions that came mm -hmm. along with that. You know what I yeah. mean? And I don't know. It was amazing. So yes, yeah. I enjoyed listening to that so much. Like all the emotions. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how hard it is to like oh. get a little baby or a little kid or any kid. Yeah. And then have to give them back. And you're oh, like, yeah. are you going to be okay? Like, yeah, your mom you know, instincts you are know. like always worried. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're a saint. <laughs> really. I don't know if I, and I, AJ and I actually started applying to be foster parents right before Taisley died. Really? And so I'm like, could I have done this? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, I think that was a, a huge, that's been a huge point of us sharing our story. And this is the first time I've shared it talking and sharing, obviously, all this has happened with Weston. Yeah. Like we shared our story up until crew. Cause even that was like, yeah, so much, you know? Yeah. And we shared it just with the purpose of like, there's so much hard in foster care and adoption and putting your heart out there. 
but there's so much beauty in it mm-hmm. too. And like, I went into it thinking there is no way I can do this. Yeah. I haven't even been a parent before. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing and yeah. how do I communicate with bio parents? How do I do this? And then when you're in it, mm-hmm. if it's something you feel called to and you do it, it's just incredible to see how it all happens for a reason. Everything, everything impacts you and everything I mean, every moment, every hard moment, every good moment in our foster care adoption, infertility, all of those journeys like made us who we are and got us to the parents we are today yeah. for our two boys. So I we just share our story to just like, if you feel called to adoption or foster care, like there's so much in that, you know? Yeah. And I tell everybody, everybody can do it. <laughs> well, it's such a beautiful thing and such yeah. a selfless thing to be able to, you know, give these kids a warm bed and a place to feel love in our hardest time of life when they're just so helpless. So kudos to you. Wow. Well, you. and I loved like one thing that you said in there and I was going to make you repeat it because I was like, that is gold. But you said <laughs> something about like these kids, like you were worried to make connections with the children, mm-hmm. but the kids need the connections yes. to thrive. Yes. And I so, was like, that's because I, I've never heard that from mm-hmm. somebody before. Yeah. Like, and I just really liked that. Yeah. That was something that we learned really quick is you can go into foster care and you can have these kids in your home and you can push yourself back. You can be like, okay, I don't know how long they're going to be here. So I'm not going to attach because mm-hmm. that is too much. And they feel it. Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. these kids are coming from situations of neglect, abuse, any form of trauma that they have, they're thriving. They need that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're not going to, I mean, I think a huge part of what we realized our calling was in foster care is not necessarily for us. It's for giving these kids that that time to breathe and mm-hmm. to breathe be able to relax. And mm-hmm. so that's why I say, you know, it's easy to say I'm not going to get attached, but those kids need that attachment, even if it's just for a week mm-hmm. or a day or months, it makes a difference. And I found that when you allow yourself to attach, it does impact you. Like it does, like there's been so many moments that they did more for us because of who they are and because we allowed that attachment and that relationship to grow that it was like we step out of that placement we're like wow Mm -hmm. we learned this and this and this from those kids and that wouldn't have happened if we didn't allow ourselves to open up and allow them to feel safe you know yeah so yeah yeah i agree is there anything else that you can think of that you want to make sure to share with anyone listening going through what you've gone through because it's a lot. Like <laughs> I know it's oh. a, I, I think, you know, coming to the podcast, my biggest thing is, as I was like, I hope I can share it. I, oh, I hope I can do it justice because our journey, you know, it's so many parts to it, but it's so special to us. And there's so many parts in our journey that I'm like, if someone's going through this, I want them to know like there's more coming, like there's mm-hmm. more to this and to just keep going. I mean, I think that was our biggest saying going through infertility, foster care adoption was keep going, keep going. Like it doesn't make sense right now. And so I think that's the biggest thing with our journey that I would share is just like 
keep pushing through. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you're supposed to be part of something, called to something, for us it was foster care and adoption. Do it, even though it's scary. Because if we didn't do the scary, we wouldn't have our boys and we wouldn't have our family. So I'd say keep going and do the scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's so beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, well, oh my heck, that was just, I'm just sitting here I'm so glad you came and shared with us. Yeah, like well, I feel I'm like so I've learned me. just another layer and mm-hmm. so much more respect for families that choose to foster and just love on these little kids that oh, need it you. and give them a space, safe space to kind of, like you said, be able to take a big breath and relax yeah. and yeah. not feel that fight or flight. Hopefully, right? And, exactly. Oh, thank you so much yeah, for thank sharing you for with us. Me. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Make sure to leave us a rate and review wherever you are listening. You can also email us at makinglemonadepodcast1 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at makinglemonade.podcast or Facebook at makinglemonadewithwit and kills. You can also find out more about my foundation, Bane's Legacy, at Facebook and Instagram at Bane's Legacy and www.baneslegacy.com. And you can find out more about my foundation. You can find us on social media at TT Tough and our website is tttuff.org.